Don't ditch your hiking gear just yet. Winter is actually one of the best times to hike in our southern mountains. What makes winter such a great time to hike? For one, without the leaves on the trees, winter landscapes open up and long-range views are breathtaking. The crowds are almost non-existent and cooler temperatures make hikes a lot more pleasant without the bugs and snakes. And in the higher elevations, you might even be lucky to find the forest covered in snow. Of course, you have to wear more clothes than you do in the summer and start hiking earlier because of the shorter days. But with a little extra planning, layering properly, having the proper footwear and covering your hands and head, winter hiking may just become your favorite time of the year to get out and explore. In this episode, I sit down with Hannah O'Brien from Saluda Outfitters and The Gorge to talk about tips and hints to make your winter hiking experience as safe and enjoyable as possible. You're listening to Exploration Local, a podcast designed to explore and celebrate the people and places that make the Blue Ridge and Southern Appalachian Mountains special and unique. My name is Mike Andrus, the host of Exploration Local. Join us on our journey to explore these mountains and discover how they fuel a spirit of adventure. We encourage you to wander far, but explore local. Let's go. Before Saluda Outfitters opened about three and a half years ago, there was no local outfitter to directly serve the Saluda community and the Green River Game Lands area. I grew up in this county. I live about eight miles away from Lake Lure, and there was never really an outfitter's place to go to other than traveling to Asheville. Sometimes it's easy to take having an outfitter nearby for granted. As you can imagine, being an avid outdoor enthusiast your whole life and always having to travel out of town to visit an outfitter, Hannah was thrilled when Saluda Outfitters opened to serve the gear needs of both locals and visitors to the area. I walked in like, I mean, it was it was awesome um, walking in and seeing all of that gear and all of that that clothing available to people that live within the town. And I mean, people from all over. We've got a lot of people that come from um, from Charlotte and Spartanburg, especially Charleston. It's a great little spot. So it's been there for about three, three and a half years. They offer gear upstairs. So like anything car camping wise or just backpacking wise, sleeping bags, kitchen sets, hammocks, you name it. Drawing on years of never having a local supplier for gear needs, Saluda Outfitters understands customer service and their business model reflects their desire to meet and exceed customer expectations, even if that means ordering something that's not even in the shop. I've got a few people that they come by and they're like, hey, I'm looking for this one particular thing. And that's normally where we can help them out. It's also cool when people come in and say, hey, I'm looking for this particular thing. And we're able to either help them out or research and get that item in. Oh, that's very cool. So it may be something that you don't necessarily stock or carry, but you do some custom ordering for customers? Oh, yeah. So the the most we see custom ordering with is a bike like mountain biking and whatnot. My um my brother actually he just got into mountain biking um, within the last two years, and uh, he saved up to buy a brand new bike. And he was able to go through Saluda Outfitters and order that bike, and it'll be sent to Saluda Outfitters, and then he gets to build it there in their little shop. Oh, cool. The mountain biking has uh, moved downstairs, so they've created a whole entire I want I want to call it like a mini garage kind okay. of where like yeah you can just set up your bike um, if you're a customer. Or if you just want to bring it by and say, hey, I don't know what's going on or if it's making a sound and they've got someone that'll check it out for them. Super cool. And then we've got we've got a few kayakers that come around. We've got some things for them. But uh, 
it's mostly yeah just winter excursions or um hiking slash car camping okay so that's kind of your focus the hiking slash car yeah. camping slash the mountain bike is growing and so is some of the paddling yes but definitely yeah definitely just outdoor life and camping and so what are some of the different types of brands that you all carry gear wise we carry uh black diamond we carry gsi products um eno some north face things in sleeping bags uh astral shoes chaco i don't know if you've ever heard of um these new blankets that have come out they're called rumples no it's like it's like a hybrid between a sleeping bag and a blanket. Those are super cool. Those like we can't keep on the rack. People come in and like, hey, do you have a rumble? <laughs> so that's that's the cool experience. But uh, cool K U H L. And so many other brands of cookware, day packs, extended packs, and accessories, casual wear, and clothes for all your outdoor adventures. Saluda Outfitters also has a tap room and a food truck with delicious made-to-order meals. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, just because the weather is getting cold doesn't mean it's time to put away your hiking gear. With just a little planning, preparation, and the right gear, the winter months can actually yield some of the biggest payoffs for those venturing out into the forest, trails, and waterfalls. Hannah and I talk about some tips and hints for making your winter excursion safe and enjoyable, and we also share some mistakes we've made along the way as well. We talk mostly about day tripping and hiking, like anywhere between two to six or seven hours. So when we talk about our gear list and what to bring, that's our focus. We really don't cover in-depth, long backpacking trips in this episode, as our focus was to really encourage people who are new to hiking or the casual explorer to have the confidence to get out and explore during the cold winter months. So to kick things off, here's a quick list of what's in my day pack. Now, Hannah and I are going to go into these essentials in a little bit more in depth, but this will just kind of get us off the ground. Number one, a day pack. Think average sized everyday backpack, kind of like your kids take to school. So it doesn't have to be a huge multi-day backpack that's 50 liters capacity and you can stuff everything in the kitchen sink in it. We're just talking about the average size backpack. And really, there's no reason to rush out and buy any type of high-performance backpack if you don't have one. Uh, just any kind of day pack will do. Next, map and fully charged iPhone or phone. So I use digital maps. I love all trails and I have some others as well. And I also have paid for the subscription to have the offline uh, maps available to me. But I always love to have a paper map with me at all times. So Pisgah Map Company, you've heard us talk about them before in our uh, podcast. That's who I love to use. A first aid kit, we're going to talk more about that. Emergency blanket, matches and lighter, extra food, extra water, extra clothes, thinking socks and some base layers. A headlamp or flashlight. Hannah loves headlamps. I do too. And most importantly, probably is your preparedness plan. Now, what I mean here is where you're going and who you're going with. Uh, and then lastly, maybe for the advanced user who knows how to use it, a compass. So using your map and compass. So those are going to be the quick things that are going to be in my pack. Let's talk about the things that are essentials that you just don't want to leave your car and don't want to leave your house without. Cool. especially in the cold weather let's see number one um my newfound love a headlamp 
I don't know why it took so long, but I think everyone should have a headlamp. Um, it, like that's almost in my mind an emergency option as well. Yeah. Um, people don't think of flashlights for some reason, but the headlamp, it could be on your head and you've got both of your hands to be free. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely a first aid kit. Um, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be like a $30 first aid kit, whatever suits the hiker slash camper. Yeah. Just like a quick and easy first aid kit. Of course, the longer that you go and the longer that you're out in the woods, the more extensive that first aid kit needs to be. I would say extra clothes sometimes goes hand in hand. It depends on what you're doing. I normally bring like face layers, extras, just in case something happens. Like I've accidentally fallen in a mud puddle and then you got to hike all the way out with just soggy, muddy pants, extra socks. Some people carry life straws with them. That would be a great thing to put in like an emergency kit. And then let's see, definitely a map. I've got the all trails thing. You said that you like to do the paper stuff. I might have to jump on that bandwagon because <laughs> more and more times you get out there and you don't have any service and it doesn't work, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's um, it, it doesn't for me. I'm learning that it's not an either or. I usually just sort of approach it as a both and, making sure that yeah. I have my phone. But you know, it's for the longer hikes. Um, sometimes, even as nice as these phones are, they can. Or if it's if it's really really cold. I mean, sometimes the battery life just tends to oh, yeah. to decrease. And so yeah, that that paper map. And that's just something that um, I won't say that I've done on the regular, but it's becoming more and more that way just because, um, well, especially for this area right around here, Pisgah Map Company does a fantastic job of, of, uh, I think they have nine maps. So anywhere within a, you know, hundred mile radius of, of around here they've done. And so there's some, uh, uh, you know, they have some trail descriptions, obviously they got some great keys, but then they also have things that I just didn't even think about, you know, hiking into the Green River game lands, you know, and seeing some of the, even some of the rapids and some of the points of reference that really kind of helped me if I happen to get off trail, you know, hiking on trail is one thing, but if I get off trail for, for even yeah. just a little bit, it's, it's helpful to, to kind of navigate back. So, yeah. So yeah, your gear list is a good one. You, you definitely, you're talking about your emergency preparedness. You're talking about letting people know where you go, first aid kits that are going to be, consistent with where you are going and oh yeah they i i, I definitely think that first aid kit slash emergency preparedness it shouldn't be uniform or universal it should always be um unique to what you're doing mm. for that trip that's good definitely. that's good well let me ask you this i mean how are you about somebody just hitting the trail with no water no food no nothing it's a short hike you know, it's only um, 2.3 miles. I can do that. That's easy. But 2.2 or 2.3 miles or oh even gosh, two miles. I had my run in with that. That happened to me. I was that exact person about two years ago. I went to Cleanland's Dome. I got there. It was, uh, it might as well, honestly, it might as well two years ago been the hottest day of the summer. And of course, I chose to pick that day. Um, the hike up, I'm sure there's different ways, but the hike up that we did is we drove to the parking lot and then we just walked up the asphalt little hike spot it was more like a sidewalk there was millions and millions of people going up and down um but what they don't tell you it's a very short hike it's just straight up and down um so that day me being me i was like guys i don't need water i don't need this it's just straight up on a sidewalk and then we'll come right down and it'll be it'll be fine so there's three of us (laughs) 
like we got halfway and I thought that I was going to pass out. <laughs> I, I, I had to sit down and take a breather. My friends were like, um, okay, this is where we probably should have thought about bringing water. I was like, okay, well, we're, we're too far away now to do anything about it. We might as well get up to Clingman's Dome and go and see it. So we, <laughs> we get the rest of the way and we start walking up the little ramp and around the time that it starts to turn and you're getting higher than the trees, I, I, ha- I had to tap out. I couldn't even go all the way up to the dome just because I, I was so exhausted feeling. Um, I, I was so tired. I was so thirsty. I was just being like, you guys go see it. I have no interest of going that high. I'll just sit here and stare at trees. When we got back down um, and we walked into the little gift shop to get some water, the little lady like actually made me sit down and drink the water because she told me that I had the heat exhaustion ring around my face. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And that was my first rude awakening of like, why didn't you come prepared? This was supposedly the easiest hike I had Googled. It was like a mile up, a mile down. Even if you think that you're capable of it, I would still, like you said, it's a, it's never an either or it's always a both or and with your phone and map, you should always, always, always have water. Um, even if you don't drink it, carry it. Yeah. <laughs> some people, some people will, will go like three miles without drinking water. That's great. But at least you have it in your backpack. That's right. Um, yeah, I, that was a very, very big rude awakening for me that day. And what, um, what time of year was this Hannah? Summer. Yeah. <laughs> the middle of summer. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was black asphalt and we're walking up and down. There's people everywhere. Um, and yeah, I just, I, me being me, the little college student I was, I was like, I'll just zip up the mountain, zip back down and I'll be fine. And I couldn't even get halfway. Well, it happens. You're, you're not alone. We've all, I mean, everybody who has been in the outdoors has done this and that's where you learn and you grow and you add to your mm-hmm. list of things that I add to my pack next time. And, um, you know, I love to say that even when you have all these experiences that you never make the same mistake twice, that's not true. Oh, yeah. At least it's not of me. I mean, I was, you know, two weeks ago I was, I was hiking and it was just a, a short hike and, um, I do have a little bit of, uh, a heart condition. And so, uh, and I've put on a little bit extra weight too. So those two things are, um, recipes for disaster for me. And I didn't, I also can have issues with low blood sugar. So, I mean, my gosh, I, I sound like I'm falling apart, but so I've got a heart <laughs> issue, a little overweight, blood sugar drops. I am completely unprepared and, uh, we never made it to our destination. And my mom and dad, who were both in their mid to late seventies were smoking me on this trail. And my dad just looked at me and said, son, we just don't need it. There's no, there's no point right now. I mean, you're sweating profusely. You know, you look, um, you know, very tired. You know, I always monitor my heart rate. My heart rate wasn't that wonky, but I definitely knew that in that moment, man, my, I, I have ruined this entire trip for our family because we're not going to make it to our destination to see this waterfall. This is the second time that we've, we've, we've gone out to try to, to see it. And my uh, late age parents are uh, smoking me up and down this gravel trail and my daughter's running circles around me and I was completely unprepared. So my dad had to give me water. He had to give me a a protein bar. He had to help me and I, and I know better. And I was still just thinking, ah, this is a, this is a quick, you know, easy, easy trail. Even, um, so that I tell you that story and that happened two years ago, July 4th, Mike, I, it was the hottest day up until that point in the summer. Um, and I was running a 4th of July trip. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was wearing Star Spangled Banner leggings that were way too hot for that day. I was being all decked out. Well, what I didn't 
taken account for was that the way that I was dressed and the amount of weight that I had as well from my harness, it was making me sweat more. And I had already gone through the water that I had brought on course with me. I just didn't bring enough. Um, so when we get about halfway through the course, my hands started doing this thing where they were like, if you make a fist, they started curling within themselves towards the insides of my arms. Does oh, that wow. make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. So I, uh, of course, I started freaking out. Um, I sent all of my people down to the next platform, but then I was like, I, I don't know what's going on. I called my manager on my radio and I was like, hey, my hands are doing this weird thing. Um, I kind of feel a little lightheaded, not going to lie. Um, and my manager was like, just sit down on that platform. I'll come down and get you. By the time that he had gotten me, kind of too much information, but I had thrown up and I was shivering. So I was like, okay, there's a whole lot more going on than just me being a little dehydrated. By the time that he got to me, we had discovered <laughs> that the reason why I didn't feel so good was because one, I was out of water, two, I was low on electrolytes, and three, I didn't eat breakfast. Mm. And I'm not normally a breakfast person, but when you put your body through that type of um, physical activity, you, you have to become a breakfast person. Um, so that would be <laughs> another thing that I would add, I guess, to the gear list is like really thinking through how much water and how much food you really need, even if it's just a day hike. Like you, like you were saying, you were trying to go to this waterfall, um, and it's not like it's a crazy hike, but you just you weren't prepared. I was not prepared at all either. Um, so there's different levels of food and water are unique for everybody. Um, yeah, so I ate a cliff bar and I came back to life. But that like 15 minutes of my hands closing up and me not being able to open them, that was also a rude awakening of like, your body's really going to tell you what you need and when you need it, um, regardless of where you are. No, you're, you know, you're right. And I think the moral of the story is, you know, drink, even though you don't feel thirsty, eat, even if you don't feel hungry. Exactly. Yes. And make sure that, you know, people around you understand the things that you struggle with and the things that, uh, you know, maybe, may uh, health challenges for you. I think that that's huge because, you know, you're, you were in a safe environment, which is, which is fantastic. And you could call on radio and you could get somebody mm -hmm. to come down from the office to help you out. And they knew exactly what was going on in, oh, my, yeah. in my situation. We were out in the field. The, obviously I was with family and extended family and they all knew, you know, what the things that I, I struggle and battle with. However, if you just are on a hookup trip and people don't know you and you're not prepared, you really begin to put the entire trip at, uh, you know, at risk. Um, and, oh, yeah. and, or, you know, I know as people are listening, you know, all of a sudden we're sort of going down this doom and gloom sort of trail. That's not the, <laughs> that's not the purpose of this, but just understanding yeah. that, you know, even on a short hike and a short experience, we do have to be prepared. And so I think that's kind of what we're, we're, we're trying to say. And, you know, people can live through our, our oh, mistakes, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I would much, I would much rather people live through my mistakes as me just being me then somebody truly make a mistake and then it not, I don't know, it not in well. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I've met people along the trail that, like you said, they're hiking with just one bag and it might just have their car keys and like a notebook in it. And then there's other people that are like overloaded with way more things than they need because they're just, they're more prepared than anybody out on court. I mean, like I've seen people come with like 
four pots and pans when they just need one. But I'd rather somebody come with four things of water, way more than what they need. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a give and take. But no, yeah, right. I, I, I truly do think that people need to um, take a step back and, and really think about what they're taking. Even on a day hike, like you said, even if it's just one bag. I think you're exactly right. You know, hopefully the, the point that comes across is just the kind of thinking about the time of year, especially thinking about the things that we need and even you know, over planning or, mm-hmm. you know, don't, you know, you don't want to bring a, you know, 50 liter backpack on a, you know, five hour hike. However, there are some things that you need. Let's stay with day trip, day hiking, but let's talk about it from the perspective of winter and the gear that you need and how that is actually different than hiking in the spring. So now we're talking about layers and we're talking about, you know, specific types of waterproof shoes and just, you know, what, what are some of the things that we need to be cognizant of when we are planning for cold weather and, you know, even here, even, I mean, even a five, five mile trip, you know, you can go from, you know, the base of the parking lot up to, Gosh, I'm trying to think of an example. Well, Mount Mitchell, for example. I mean, you could, you know, could you can drop 10, 10 degrees or so. So let's kind of oh, talk yeah. about the differences between, you know, the cold weather hiking and some of the things that we definitely need to be considering as far as our gear is concerned. Okay. Um, uh, like like we were saying, layering. Um, my biggest thing with layering is not to overdo it. Um, it always when I think of like getting ready for a, a day hike when in the cold, I always think of that movie A Christmas Story, where <laughs> the the mom has put so many layers on him and then he just can't put his arms down. <laughs> right. Like you don't like you don't want to be that uncomfortable or that toasty warm. Um, me being, I, I would like to say I'm a, I'm a warmer person. I, I get hot fast. I would say three is a magic number for me. Um, I like to wear something synthetic, uh, so like a long sleeve synthetic athletic type shirt, um, and then maybe like a long sleeve over that, um, and then a nice like shell. So either some days I'll wear like a rain jacket over that just because I'm, I'm warm and, and all of my heat will stay within that, or um, or throw a hoodie on. Um, but yeah, three is most definitely from the top part. Um, my bottom part, I normally just wear like synthetic leggings and then a pair of like um, hiking pants. Um, I've got, I think they're like, they're called formerly joggers, but they're, they're a pair of Columbia um, breathable pants. Okay. And they're, they're normally for summer, but I have found that if you layer them correctly, they're, they're wonderful in winter because they breathe, but they still keep the, the heat in. I know. It sounds odd, but no, no, I know it works, exactly. yeah. it works for me. Um, so yeah, magic number three. Um, definitely, like we were saying, um, everything works different for people. Um, but those thin, thin layers for for the bottom base, I I would highly suggest. Just because when you do start to um, go into the trail and hiking, and you do start to work up a sweat, those shedding those layers, you're not shedding like a vital important piece of the clothing my favorite piece to hike with is definitely a beanie um i have a beanie and a water bottle obsession um i think everyone should have a favorite beanie especially in the winter for hiking and then for shoes i 
I'm low maintenance on shoes. I, I just like to wear one pair of socks. I have um, a trusty pair of wool socks. I definitely suggest those for winter. Um, the only thing is that like wool gets annoying after a while. I know that it can cause blisters at some point, especially for me. Um, some people it's different, but uh, wool socks are life changing because once you do stop, you can take your shoes off and your your feet have that time to breathe, but also stay to- toasty. Um, yeah, I I have one trusty pair of hiking boots. Um, they're keen. I have found that they're waterproof and lightweight, and that is like a double whammy that I need. Yeah, um, especially this time of year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have gotten boots before that are not waterproof, and honestly, like, why would you do that? If you have the option to have waterproof boots, definitely do that because you'll find yourself in situations where you have nothing but better to do than walk through water. And right. if you do that in the winter, ooh, oh, my gosh, your toes will be frozen. Well, good. So we talked about, I mean, you basically covered kind of head to toe. And for people that aren't familiar with the layers of three, um, let's, let's run back through that again. Uh, Cause that's okay. a, that's, that's a good thing to, I, I love the way you say that it's a layers of three, but, but, but what does that mean? And what's against my skin and what's on the outer? Um, so base number one would be something synthetic. And then over that would just be like, some people do like a long sleeve base layer. And then a short sleeve um, t-shirt over that. I personally do a long sleeve just so you get all that extra protection of warmth. Um, and then, yeah, like a hoodie over top or, uh, like I said before, a rain jacket can also be a good shell just to keep in everything. Like, that's that's a good option, too. Um, like I was saying, for me, that gets hotter. That rain jacket will keep that heat in, but it's not actually, like holding it on top of you it's it's a thin enough layer um that you're comfortable um but yeah that magic three i find too that um you could take the middle layer off and pack it away and just have the synthetic part on that's against your skin and the rain jacket slash hoodie over that and that works as well um but magic three that, yeah, three is a good number to have on you while you're while you're hiking in the winter time. Well, let's talk about high, nutrition and, and hydration. So those are two things, and we've touched on that a little bit. But when you think about hiking in the winter, drinking water isn't always the top of mind. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it's so easy for people and myself, I've already given an example, to leave that and not prepare for having enough water as you kind of hit the trail but um but we both know that that's we 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 have we have examples of why that's so important but talk about the winter why you know why is it so important i definitely think in the winter like you said some people i guess they don't think of water because it's so cold and they're not actively sweating or not thinking of water um but like we can only survive think like what uh, three or four days without water I, I don't even want to think about that to be honest because I'd rather just have the water with me but um it, it I think the mindset has to change from like oh I have to bring this water bottle to me with me on this winter hike even though I don't want it to having the water there in case you need it for anything if that makes sense um I know we're talking I know we're talking nutrition and hydration right now 
Um, but to the person that may be listening, that's like, okay, but that's winter hiking. Water shouldn't really be that necessary because you're not really working up a sweat. I mean, you will be, and you might find yourself if you reach the summit or wherever you're going that you would like some water. And if you did not bring it with you, then <laughs> you're kind of, uh, out of luck at that point. Um, I think someone can easily get exhausted in the winter as they can in the summer. Um, like we were talking with people's unique, unique situations. Um, it doesn't have to be 99 degrees outside for you to still feel like you might pass out in the middle of winter. Um, physical activity is still physical activity and you have to um, take care of your body accordingly. And I would much rather have too much water and one granola bar than a bunch of granola bars and one thing of water, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Water's key. Yeah. Water's huge. And water, water is definitely key. If anything, out of this whole entire podcast, water is essential. <laughs> no, water is essential. And you know, you're yeah. right. We think about, well, the snows that we just had and, you know, for, for, for myself, I, I, I actually enjoy hiking more in the winter than I do in the summer. Um, that's just me personally. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, because I'm warm nature, hot nature. It's, um, it, it's more comfortable for me to hike than it is when it's 90 degrees and I feel like I can't catch my breath and I'm sweating profusely. So that's just me. The other thing is the long range views. I love having more of the long range views, not only, you know, at vistas, but also as I'm hiking a trail through the woods, you can see some of the ridge lines um, easier. Uh, and then, yeah, just the, the, the whole thing about not having snakes and worrying about copperheads and bears is... <laughs> is very appealing to me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I've had my, you know, share run in with kids stepping on snakes and looking at snakes and that sort of thing. But yeah, so for those three reasons, the the views, uh, the temperature, and then the wildlife that's not present is kind of good for me. Oh, yeah. But, um, but you know, the thing about it is with, with the hydration, we just, we just don't think that I'm going out into, you know, 35 degree weather and I need to think about water. So yes, water yeah. is. And then the other thing too, you know, as we're kind of out there expending, probably even more energy because now I have on this pack that has extra layers on it. It has extra socks in it. It's, you know, maybe a little bit more food, maybe a little bit more water. You know, my pack is just heavier than it might be on a, you know, on a, on a day and plus all the stuff that I'm wearing. So, you know, it's easy in the summertime to have, you know, sweat and dissipation and things like this. And I know, you know, some of the more high tech clothes, they'll wick moisture away from your body, but it's still not like having your skin exposed and being able to get rid of the, you know, the moisture from the sweating. So you're still going to sweat. Yeah. You're still going to run through and that water becomes maybe even more crucial. Um, maybe but not say, more. Then but... If you, if you don't, if you sweat in winter hikes as well, and it doesn't have anywhere to truly like escape and you, you might like find yourself getting cold. Yeah. 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 That, 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 that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So, um, um new, all right, let's talk about nutrition, nutrition for, for a trail. And, and we kind of talk about this. We're kind of talking about the extended, you know, a day hike, you know, maybe a five to, you know, six, seven hours. But this can also be important for a two-hour hike. You mm-hmm. you need to bring along some nutrition. What are some of your favorites for the trail? So definitely Cliff Bar. Cliff Bars are like my go-to. They're easy to pack along with you. Um, but I also like um, trail mix. That's easy. You could buy like like a big, big gallon's worth of them and just put them in your mini bags to bring with you. Um, but you also have to think of like actual nutrition if you're going to be out there longer. Um, so <laughs> I like to bring peanut butter and jellies. 
Um, normally they get squished in my bags, but squished peanut butter jellies are better than no peanut butter jelly. <laughs> Still tastes the same. <laughs> right. And then, um, I, I, I just thought of this too. The tablet's called, um, noon. Oh yeah. N-U-U-N. Yep. Right now I have like the blackberry fusion or whatever. Nice. And it's, it's kind of like a, um, it's got B12 in it. It's got a whole bunch of vitamins and there's other ones that have caffeine in them as well. Um, those noon tablets are life-changing and you can just put them in some water and if you're like me where you do like to bring the cliff bars or maybe a peanut butter and jelly but you're not trying to bring like a three-course meal then a noon tablet in water also helps supplement the nutrition that you would have in that food yeah absolutely let's talk a little bit about the impact that hiking being in the outdoors car camping just kind of your love for the outdoors you know you were talking earlier that you you participated in these things when you were younger and in high school and and getting through through college but it wasn't really until you graduated college that you began to really appreciate all of the experiences in the outdoors uh, for what they are and you have a heightened level of appreciation for those things now so as you're kind of looking back and, and, and where your life is now and how much of an outdoor, or excuse me, how much of an impact the outdoors is in your life, uh, how would you say that that has affected you and really makes you kind of consider, you know, where you live and, and the types of things that you spend your time doing, if that question makes sense? I, yes, I would say that the outdoors has made me a more humble person, hmm. um, the more time that you spend outdoors and away from, from your phone and away from expectations from social media or society or even just your phone and technology in general, um, you have that, that space to actually think and be yourself without any expectations. I'm probably sounding like a crazy person, but no, this being is good. Out, I mean, being outdoors, you, you can't fake it. You can't fake yourself. You can't fake the outdoors. Um, I'm going to be cheesy. You are one, like you're literally one with the earth. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And you can't, you can't stray away from that. So being outdoors and it's 30 degrees, you don't have a heater to change the temperature. You just have to roll with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think those experiences, like I said, yeah, they, they humble you. I would rather have that, um, with the outdoors than, maybe stuck inside scrolling on a phone or on a laptop about the outdoors. I love that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, I I think people get intimidated because there there are people on Instagram and are people on YouTube that that show the outdoors in one way. Um, And that's just, it's, it's with bells and whistles. Um, And I think everyone should go out and actually see the outdoors for what it is. And it's, it's literally waiting for people. Wow, that's really worth repeating. See the outdoors for what it is. It's just waiting for people. That's really good stuff, Hannah. So there's your invitation. The outdoors is waiting for you. If you tend to put your hiking gear away for the winter, consider breaking it back out and make a plan to hit the trail. Or check out that waterfall you didn't get a chance to see this past summer or fall. If you're in the Saluda area, stop into Saluda Outfitters and say hello. Tell them we sent you. While you're at it, Take some time to stroll downtown, grab an ice cream at M.A. Pace General Store, visit the historic Thompson store dating back to 1890, or grab some delicious barbecue at Green River Barbecue. 
there's so much more to explore in downtown Saluda. You can also check out Saluda Outfitters online at saludaoutfitters.com or even on Facebook and Instagram. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we'll have a special episode as we recap the top five most listened to episodes in 2020. Until then, I encourage you to wander far, but explore local. Local.